Well, let's turn, <clears throat> let's turn in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. We're looking at this series on the church. We're calling it Love Your Church. The aim is to think clearly about what the church is and what we do and why we do it. The church is not like a public lecture forum or a special interest club. You know, you can have special interest clubs where people who uh, like Ford Fiestas gather together and they share their special interest. Well, the church is not a special interest club for people who happen to like God. That's not what it is. We've seen that the church is at the heart of what life is about. It's about knowing God. And it's about being part of God's kingdom, God's people, God's family. And so we've thought about belonging to God's family uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. We've thought about welcoming people as they come. We've thought about caring for each other as part of God's family. But what are we actually about when we gather what is it we need to grasp so that we can have a, a better, richer appreciation of what happens when we gather? We have a sort of a better, richer appreciation of, of who we are, but a better, richer appreciation of what we're doing now. Is it because God needs his ego fed? We have to come here and sing his praises, bowing before him, patting him on the back, telling him that he really is wonderful after all. Is that it? Certainly not. Is it because the preacher needs his ego fed? Where else do you get a captive audience like this? Well, I hope it's not that. Is it because this earns us brownie points with God and this gets us approval with God. Well, that can't be because Jesus has done all that's necessary for those who come to him to find acceptance with God. So what is it that we're doing here? Well, Hebrews 12, verse 18 and following helps us. And there's three things that we want to see this morning. We'll spend most of our time on the first two and then finish briefly uh, with some application. First of all, I want to see whom we gather with. Whom we gather with. We walk in the door. We come up the stairs. Who is it we're hoping to meet? We often ask ourselves, or at least I do when I arrive home having been in Milford, I'll say, who was at church today? Or I'll wonder, uh, you may be, when you're coming, I wonder who'll be there this week. Well, I want us to be convinced that there is something much more foundational than the people that we come to meet. Someone more foundational. And that's what the readers of Hebrews needed reminded of. They had had the richness of temple worship. They had left behind all the ritual with its great priests and high priests and the, the sacrifices and the incense and the altars. They'd left all that behind. And now... They had come to Jesus, and they're meeting in somebody's house, perhaps, or in a rented building. And they've left behind all the visual theology of the temple and its sacrifices. 
And what they're at now doesn't look so impressive. It looks very ordinary. And they're thinking about going back to their past. And the writer of this whole letter has been contrasting that what Jesus has done and who Jesus is, is far superior to everything that was in their past. And he comes to one final brilliant contrast. He's shown them Jesus is superior to the prophets, to the angels, to Moses, to Joshua, to Aaron the high priest, to all the sacrifices. He's superior to the Day of Atonement. He's superior to the temple. He is superior. And they've got Jesus. Then he comes to this one final brilliant contrast. and He takes them to what was perhaps the greatest worship service in the history of God's people in the Old Testament. God had gathered his people out of Egypt. He was bringing them to the promised land. He gathered them at Mount Sinai to give them instruction. The people had lessons to learn. And God told them to prepare themselves, for he was going to appear. In Exodus 19, verse 12, God said, Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, Do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain will be put to death. Then loud trumpet blasts were sounded. It would seem that these were sounded not by by the people of Israel, but by angels themselves to warn the people, stay back, stay back. Verse 16 of Exodus 19, On the morning of the third day there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. What an awesome and spectacular sight. How impressive. God is there, and he is going to speak. And yet, the people couldn't come close. All that was happening was indeed impressive, but there was a giant no-entry sign, as it were, all around the mountain. There was a fence, there were the commands, there were the trumpet blasts saying, stay back, stay back. Then the author of Hebrews says, now, that's what you had in the past. Verse 18, he says, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched, and that is burning with fire and darkness to gloom and storm. Then verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion. He wants them to grasp that this, instead of there being a giant new entry sign, there is a giant entry sign. The angels are, are present. But where are they? There we're told in joyful assembly. They're not warning, stay back. They're celebrating. They're celebrating the work of God. He says, this, he says to them, is what you come to when you gather. You gather and the angels are celebrating. You're coming there and you're gathering with the host of the redeemed who've gone ahead of you. The giant or the great cloud of witnesses that he speaks of in chapter 12, that he's listed some of them in chapter 11. He says, you're meeting with them. And then he tells us that it's even more special than that. We meet with God himself. 
You have come to God, the judge of all men, the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. They're in the presence of the judge. And they can be in the presence of the judge because a sacrifice has been offered that speaks a, a word of forgiveness. It's as if Jesus is there and his, his presence there says to the Father, they're all forgiven. They're all forgiven. We come into the Father's presence. It doesn't say stay back. It says come in. And we look into the Father's face and he says to us, no condemnation. No condemnation. Do we hear that when we come to worship God? Our Father saying, grace and peace to you. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We hear him reassure us that we belong. Once they had been at the bottom of the mountain. Now, if they could see with the eyes of faith, although they're in an ordinary room, they are at the top of the mountain. Once they had been in gravest danger, now they are in the greatest of delight, in the very presence of God, God's delight with them. That's what happens when they gather. That's the one to whom they're coming. And it's true for us. This is what we are to grasp when we gather each week. This is what happens. And we need to see it by the eye of faith. This building has, as it were, two addresses. It has an address at Bonaghy. But it's as if when we step in through those doors, we find ourselves transported into the presence of of God. So where did you go to this morning? Did you go to Letterkenny? What was your expectation? Or did we grasp that we were ascending Mount Zion into the very presence of God? You have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem. Did we remember that we were coming to meet with God, with the angels celebrating? Look at those people! They're coming every week to worship. They're so filled with joy. Look at how God has sustained them for another week. The angels celebrating how God has been working in your life. Do we remember that that's where we come when we gather? Here we come into the presence of God. Right into the holiest of holy places. And the judge of all the earth says to you every week, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Unlike Sinai, no fear, no condemnation. And if you're here this morning and you haven't put your trust in Jesus Christ or asked him to be your, your substitute before the judge of all the earth, then you are in the presence of the judge and nothing is covering you. There is no sacrifice that is speaking a word that says, forgive them, forgive them. And so come to that Savior today and say, would you be my Savior, my substitute, so that I can stand before the judge of all the earth and have nothing to fear. We gather in God's presence each week. And that should encourage us to come with anticipation and to prepare our hearts as we come to meet with God.
and to come with an expectation. And children, I want you, children, boys and girls, young people, I want you to grasp this. Remember, if the President of Ireland was here, if the President of Ireland was here, boys and girls, young people, and he was standing at the front to address us, wouldn't we listen carefully? Wouldn't we be on our best behavior? Well, boys and girls, we are meeting with God himself. And so that should help us to to focus on what we're doing and to, to concentrate on what we're doing and to behave and to listen whenever our mum or our dad says, shh, because God is here and God has something to say to us. So, whom do we gather with? Secondly, what do we do when we gather? What do we do when we gather? What do we do when we gather? Well, our gathering is all about God. It is God we meet with. And it is only because of God that we can meet with Him. There are no rituals that we need to perform, no sacrifices we need to carry out, because one great sacrifice has been offered by Jesus. And it provides cleansing and forgiveness. But we gather to have our hearts and minds refocused or recalibrated. Imagine you've got some sort of scientific measuring instrument. And over the course of the week, the magnetic field of the earth pulls its sensitivity off a little bit and rattling around in the back of a van jolts its sensitivity off. And every week you would bring that scientific instrument to have it recalibrated so that it measured accurately. Well, our souls need recalibrated. During the week, the magnetic lure of the world around us tugs our focus away from God. During the week, The pounding accusation of Satan robs us of our peace of mind. During the week, the relentless secularism of the world tells us, shows us that the values that we've got are wrong and that the values that it has are the ones that we should have. During the week, we lose our focus on the promises of God. And we need to be recalibrated. And to be recalibrated, we need to hear God speak to us. That's why verse 25 says, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. And so what do we do when we gather? Well, two things for us to remember. Two things to help us appreciate what happens when God's people gather. First of all, God speaks to us. God speaks to us. One writer says, Worship is a time when heaven and earth meet. It is a holy conversation between the creator of heaven and earth and his redeemed creatures. We gather to hear God speak, and that's why his word is central to everything that we do. That's why our worship service begins with a call to worship from the word of God. That's why we Read God's Word. That's why we sing God's Word. That's why we preach from God's Word. That's why the final word, the benediction, is straight out of God's Word. It's God who speaks. Remember what we saw a couple of Sunday evenings ago about God's Word. 
and Paul's words to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13. He says to Timothy, Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. And then in the next letter to Timothy, he says, Preach the Word. Preach the Word. Why is it so important? Because it's God speaking. We gather to hear God speak. You're not gathering to hear Johnny preach or me preach. Have it in your heads that you're coming to hear God speaking through His Word preached, through His Word read, through His Word sung. That's why we tell you to turn to such and such a place in your Bibles at the start of the sermon so that you can see that what we're saying is, is coming out of here. Our task is simply to point you to God and to be, as it were, God's mouthpiece bringing His Word to you. Here is your God. Here is your Savior. Here's what He says. Hear Him. Hear Him. By all means, measure what we say to see that it comes from God's Word. But as you see it coming from the Bible, my friends, have it in your head. God is speaking to me. I must listen. God is speaking to me. I must obey. God is speaking to me. I must believe. God is promising me. I must hope. God is rebuking me. I must change. God is comforting me. I must listen. God is speaking. Oh, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. We're not at liberty to pick and choose which bits to obey. We must not sit in judgment on God's word and say, well, I like what you said there, but I didn't like what you said there. And fine if that didn't come out of the Bible. But if it came out of the Bible, and I hope that everything we say comes out of the Bible, if it comes out of the Bible then we are not at liberty to say, well, you know, I didn't like that. I'm going to ignore that bit. We're not at liberty to pick and choose which bits to believe. When we gather, God speaks. In his book, Love Your Church, Tony Merida gives a, a list of how we're to listen. He says, listen humbly. None of that. Who does he think he is telling us what for? Like the lady who said to the preacher when he moved from teaching to application. And he said, well, he's gone from teaching to meddling. Listen humbly, he says. Listen intently. It is easy to tune in and tune out. And sometimes we do that, we end up with, he said something here and he said something here and he said something here. And we, we, we join the dots, but we, we join them all wrong. And sometimes in various places, I've had people say, I really liked when you said this. And I think, I never said that. Uh, I said that bit there and that bit there. Oh, I see how you, no, no, I didn't say that. Um, listen intently. Listen biblically. Is this coming from God's Word? Listen personally. In other words, listen for you and not the person three seats in front or two behind and one to the left. Listen for you. 
Listen obediently, he says. Not with an air of sitting in judgment on what God is saying. Listen practically. What am I going to do? Listen gratefully. And I would add to that list, listen believingly. Am I going to believe this? God speaks. And God speaks not just through his word read and preached and the call to worship in the benediction. God speaks to us too through the singing of his word. And we'll mention a little bit more about this in a moment. But whenever God's word is being sung, listen to what it says. And some days you don't feel like singing. You feel so low. You feel down and discouraged. Listen to your brothers and sisters singing God's word around you. And how often that lifts us and helps us. Not because they're necessarily filled with joy, but it might even be that we're singing one of the Psalms of Lament, of which there are so many. And we think, hold on a minute. I feel exactly like that. I'm not on my own. God knows how I feel. And you hear God speaking to you out of the mouth of your brother or sister, singing the Word of God next to you. God speaks. And God doesn't simply speak to us through His Word in, in verbal form, but His Word pictured at baptism and at the Lord's Supper. He speaks to us. At baptism, He says to the believer, not just the one being baptized, but to all who have been baptized, He says, I have put my name on you. I have washed you. I have given you my Spirit. You belong. Do you hear Him say it? And to the parents of covenant children, he says, your child belongs in the circle of my covenant. Bring them up to know me and trust me to wash them. Trust me to give them my spirit. Trust me to bring them right into a deeper belonging. They trust me. He speaks through his acted word. And the Lord's Supper, he speaks to us not of belonging, but of forgiveness and cleansing. He speaks to us that a price has been paid. This is my body, which is broken for you. God is speaking. As we sit at the table, He's saying to you, one day you will sit at the table in the kingdom of heaven. God is speaking. He's saying to us, do this until Christ returns. God is speaking. What do we do when we gather? We hear God speak. And secondly, we speak and sing to God. The quote I had earlier described it. It's a time when heaven and earth meet. It is a holy conversation. It's two-way. It's two-way. We get together and we speak to God. And as we get together to speak to God, we recognize that some things are appropriate and some things are not. And as we come and we speak to God, we present our requests to Him in prayer. And we lift up our voices in prayer. And it may be Johnny or I leading us in prayer. Or it may be that it's the time before the service begins and we're sharing points for prayer. And we're all praying together like we'll do this evening. but how good it is to hear brothers and sisters in Christ praying. How good it is as we are gathering to hear 
the, the, the amens or the, the noises of agreement as we pray as a body of people. We're praying to God. We're bringing these requests to God and we're crying out to Him. And whenever the minister is praying, you be following along. and I'm speaking to God. He's speaking about me. Yes, Lord, I agree with that. Oh, that, that's me. And I agree, Lord, with what's being said. And you're being prayed for and with as we pray together. And we sing to God. And our church, we believe that God has not only given us what we need to come to Him, but He's given us what we need to worship Him as we come to Him. He gave us His Son. He didn't let us contribute anything to our salvation. And when it comes to worshiping Him for our salvation, He has given us all that we need. He has given us a book of songs. And they are perfect songs written by the Holy Spirit. We call them Psalms. Technically, according to the titles in the, the Greek version of the Old Testament, which Paul would have used, 66 of them are psalms, 6 of them are hymns, and 36 of them are songs. That's why Paul writes in Colossians, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. He's referring to these. There are some that are technically titled psalms, some are technically titled hymns, some are technically titled songs, some are called a psalm and a hymn, some are called a psalm and a song, and two are entitled a psalm, a hymn and a song. And that's what God has given us to sing. Paul, when he tells us that we're to sing psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, is referring to the whole Old Testament book of Psalms. And how good it is that God has given us these words to approach Him. I've seen several things recently, one no more recently than yesterday, uh, where Christians who aren't people who sing only the Psalms are recognizing the sheer richness and balance that the Psalms bring, how they are written in places of anguish, how they are written with such raw honesty, how they deal with the dark corners of life and dark corners of the soul, how they deal with injustice, and how they deal with suffering and difficulty in a way that so many other songs don't. It's intriguing to see people rediscovering God's perfectly balanced book of song and and we sing to God what He has given us. And as we sing them, we have the wonder of singing the songs that our Savior sang and thinking His thoughts after Him as He would have sung them. And that's why Paul says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So we come to church and we gather and we hear God speak and we gather and we pray and we sing and we speak back to God. And even as we're speaking back to God, it's not that He needs to hear us, but we, 
He knows our hearts. He knows our needs. But as we pray and as we sing, He is doing something in us and recalibrating us and lifting burdens off us as we communicate with Him. What a lovely thing it is to gather. He ministers to us in so many ways as we gather. So let me finish by asking the question, how do we gather? How do we gather? Whom do we gather with? What do we do when we gather? And how do we gather? And simply four, four qualities to note. With regularity. Gather with regularity. In Hebrews 10, 25, the writer says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. That makes sense. If we've got a greater privilege than the children of Israel at Sinai and a greater privilege than all the Jews at Jerusalem, and if God is meeting with us here with a message for us and with hands that will lift burdens from our shoulders, then we should be here as often and as regularly as we can. Very, very, very few things should keep us away. God is present and he calls us to be too. This is why we gather morning and evening in the Lord's Day to get as much of this as possible. And I know some of you have commented on, on how Sunday evenings seem to be more special than Sunday mornings. And I think that's absolutely true. I feel that too. You know, we might, we might incorrectly think that, oh, going to church on Sunday evening, well, you know, that's like being told to take an extra serving of Brussels sprouts. Apologies to those who like Brussels sprouts, but it's not that. It's like being asked, do you want an extra piece of steak? Do you want more of God? So let me encourage you to come on a Sunday evening if you're not in the habit of doing so. It is not a rerun of Sunday morning. Um, it's more steak, hopefully, from the Word of God. One writer says, God's intention was to bless his people through the constant and conscientious observation of the day. Week after week, year after year. He says the Sabbath is designed to work slowly, quietly, imperceptibly in reorienting believers' appetites heavenwards. It works slowly, almost imperceptibly, but it's always recalibrating us so that we don't become like a compass that gets further and further off, pulled by a magnet here or yonder, and leads us astray. So gather with regularity. Gather with thankfulness. 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. Let us be thankful. Let us come with thankfulness. No matter what's happening in our lives, if we have put our trust in Jesus Christ, there is always reason to be thankful. And thankfulness focuses us in the character of God and in the actions of God. And that helps us. So let us come with thankfulness. Let us come with reverence and awe. The verse goes on. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. There should be something about how we gather that communicates to each other that we know 
that we are in the presence of Almighty God. There should be something in the manner of how Johnny and I conduct ourselves that we believe we are speaking on God's behalf. There should be something in the manner that, with which we come here that if people are amongst us or around us that don't know Jesus as their Savior and that aren't convinced there's a God, they look at us and go, there's something about you people and there's something about what you do that speaks about a transcendence, that there's more to life than just the stuff in front of me. It'll help them see that there is a heaven to be gained and a hell to be shunned. We come with reverence and awe, and that takes preparation. Preparing our hearts, that starts with good rest on the night before. It, expect, it starts after that with expecting there to be a drama on a Sunday morning. Because Satan will try to thwart our preparation so that we're not focused on meeting with God, but we're irate because we've got a flat tire. Or we're irate because somebody said this, boys and girls, again, let me speak to you. Are you working at being quick to obey on a Sabbath morning? Quick to obey mommy and daddy as you're coming to church. Preparing your hearts and helping mommy and daddy be ready to come with reverence and awe. Come with reverence and awe, with thankfulness, with regularity, and above all, expectancy. God is present, and God will speak. God has something He wants you to hear. He wants something He wants you to know. So let's come with a sense of expectancy. Come praying. Please come praying. Lord God, speak to me through this service today. Speak to me through the call to worship, through the, the singing, through the praying, through the reading, through the preaching, even through the benediction. Speak to me, Lord. Worship is not passive. It's active. Sometimes people might say, I got nothing from the service today. It may be the case that the sermon didn't hit the mark that you needed. But surely there was something in the call to worship, in the reading of God's Word, in the singing of God's Word, in the description of God in prayer, even in the benediction at the end. Come expectantly. Jesus says, Blessed are you who hunger for you will be satisfied. Love your church. Love gathering, for God is present, and He has something to say, and He has blessing to give. Amen. Let us stand as we, as we come to worship or come to pray. Lord God, what is man that you are mindful of him? We are a bag of dust, a squidge of mud squashed together and air blown into its lungs. And yet you would meet with us. And worse than being mud, we are, we are sinners. We are rebellious dirt. And yet you would forgive us and you would meet with us and you would say, no, no, 
you're my son, you're my daughter. With you, I am well pleased. There is now no condemnation for you. You would have us here. You would have us hear your voice saying, don't live that way. It'll hurt you. You would have us hear your voice that says, you are hurting. Let me bind up your wounds. You would have us hear your voice that says, you're filled with doubt. Let me speak promises to you. Oh Lord, forgive us for sloppiness as we have come to church at times with no expectation, with no anticipation where we've grumbled to you or to each other. And we've said, I get nothing out of that. Lord, forgive the preacher for not expecting you to speak through him, for going through the motions of turning up and preaching, turning up and introducing a psalm and reading your word. Forgive us for our lack of expectation that Almighty God has something vital to say. And so, Lord God, let this place be marked with a sense of reverence and awe as we gather to hear Almighty God say something to us. Father, we pray it for our own good. We pray it for the, the good of anyone and everyone who would come in to meet with us, that they would know that they have met with God. Father, we ask it for Jesus' sake and glory. Amen.